Nearly 17 minutes past eight. You may recall from last week that uh, we told you South Korea finally had reached a gross national income per capita of over $30,000, US dollars, becoming one of just 24 countries to enjoy that status. But is this supposedly high standard of living being felt widely enough? Is it under threat anyway due to slowing growth and an ageing population? Professor Young Jun Sok from the Department of Economics at Catholic University of Korea is here alongside me. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for coming in. Is it, is it a good thing generally? Okay, well, in the long run, it's a good thing. It shows that Korea is still growing and we're on a uh, uh, slow but steady growth path. Uh, but on the other hand, it's in the short run, it probably won't mean that much for uh, everyday people. But what is at least partially promising is the fact this is per capita. So you take the whole income and you divide it by the population number. Uh, more or less. Uh, if you look at the numbers, well, uh, per capita GNI in one sentence means how much do you earn in terms of uh, purchasing power uh, averaged out for the entire Korean population. Now, if you want to get into really nitty-gritty dirt of it, uh, then you start with the GDP, which is how much is produced within the borders of Korea. And then you turn that into GMP. Instead of uh, having how much is produced in the borders, it's how much is produced by Korean nationals, including those who are uh, perhaps outside Korea. And then you turn, uh, well, if you think about how much is produced, usually that gets bought. So uh, the uh, number of GDP, uh, which in turn turns to GNP, which is how much co uh, Korean nationals make, uh, that's supposed to be equal to how much uh, the expenditures are by uh, Korean households, firms, government, and foreigners, that's uh, Korean exports. But if they're paying to buy this stuff, then they're also paying money to the producers, so that's the income. So if you don't consider purchasing power, if you just think of it as money being exchanged, then how much is produced, how much is expended, how much is earned, they're all supposed to be the same number. Now, uh, you'd have to take account of inflation, the price changes. Then uh, from there on, the numbers become slightly different. Mm. Uh, the gross national income, uh, you in order, uh, you not only have to take care of prices, but you also have to take care of how much additional foreign stuff you can buy because of the changes in exchange rates. So that makes the uh, GMP, GNI, GDP slightly different. So it's not as simple for the income as just uh, tallying up what everyone earns on a salary basis and dividing that, which is what it kind of sounds like when, right. you, when you talk about a 30000 per capita income. Well, uh, but you also have to remember, uh, theoretically, if uh, the uh, firms uh, do not retain any income, so they give all the profits away as dividends or they use that as investment, uh, and if government doesn't keep any surplus for itself, it just rebates everything back to the population, then exactly. Everybody should have exactly $30,000 uh, uh, $30, around that for uh, per capita income. But that, of course, factors in people on the minimum wage versus people who are bringing home hundreds of thousands a month. Yeah, uh, so the... Uh sort of the flies in the ointment, the reason that you're not seeing exactly uh, uh, somewhat $30,000 per person is that, uh, first of all, uh, the companies are keeping some money for themselves. They're not giving it back to the people. And the income here is not only income given to labor, but it's also income given to uh, companies, and they may not 
return it to their workers, they may just decide to keep it on their own vaults. And then similarly with the government, uh, they get income from taxes, uh, they get income from uh, some uh, businesses and fees, and they may not be giving that back to the people, they might be keeping it in their own vaults. Uh, so, uh, but only about 58% of the national income is actually going to households, and as you just mentioned, that is being uh, distributed unevenly. Let's look at the, the brief history of this. When in 2007, South Korea's JNI per capita broke the $20,000 mark, and it was expected that we would reach the $30,000 mark by 2015. Uh, the, the general analysis seems to be that um, that wasn't likely to happen because economic conditions were not exactly smooth. Well, uh, it took uh, from $10,000 to $20,000. Korea uh, per capita GNI went over $10,000 for the first time in 1994, but it took until 2007 to go on to $20,000. That's partially because of the... Uh, Asian financial crisis that we had in 97, 98, 99. And that actually, because it lowered Korean exchange rate so much, uh, it reduced GNI per capita if you calculated it in dollars. And it took about uh, five years for it to recover. Uh, now from uh, $20,000 to $30,000, it took from about 2007 to 2018, last year. And we had the global financial crisis in 2008. And that also weakened the Korean won so much that it took us about four years to recover the uh, losses that we took in 2008 and 2009. Uh, so that explains partially why it took so long. But also another major problem is that Korea has a very low product productivity growth rate compared to a lot of other countries. So that by itself slows down the growth rate uh, considerably. Um, and more advanced countries, as you could probably imagine, United States, they would be very happy to see GDP growth of 3% a year. That's because more advanced countries naturally grow more uh, slowly because they have less slack in their system. Uh, so all those factors uh, makes, uh, make Korean per capita GNI grow fairly slowly. Just as a quick comparison, it took Japan and Germany five years each to get from 20,000 to 30,000 GNI per capita. Um, again, all these figures are in US dollars, whereas the US and Australia each took nine years to reach the same achievement. Um, in terms of the, the, the more distant past, though, you, you think about being on the floor virtually in the 60s, 70s, and then by 1999 being at, at the sort of $10,000 mark. And now, for many of us listening right now, we, we, you know, we'll still have a very clear memory of conditions in the late 1990s. It's a dramatic improvement, isn't it? Even when you factor in exchange rate differences to go up around 20000 in the, that space of time? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely Korea has been one of the uh, shining lights in economic growth. Uh, what's a bit uh, worrying, though, is that, well, whenever you see beginnings of countries beginning to develop, they usually do it through uh, bringing in labor from agriculture where they have been uh, very unproductive, 
toward the manufacturing sector where they become very productive. And then in case of Korea, we had a very large savings rate. So we had a very large, very quick growth in capital, uh, which really helped us grow quite a bit uh, until China uh, came along from 1965 to 1995. Korea had virtually historically the highest growth rate in the world for about 20, 30 years. Uh, But because we depended so much on Uh, growing by volume. What I mean by that is uh, having a lot of labor move in, having a lot of capital move in, we really didn't pay a lot of attention to productivity, how efficiently we were using that labor and that capital. And that's hurting us right now because, as I mentioned before, compared to a lot of other advanced countries, Korean productivity, the Korean efficiency of how we use our labor and capital is not very high according to OECD. What about the idea of polarization, income polarization in the country? Okay, well, uh, there has been a lot of mixed uh, theories about that. There's been a lot of argument. Uh, The traditional argument is that uh, as long as the income disparity is not enough to destroy the social fabric, it's good because that allows people to uh, work uh, harder to get more pay. Um, But there has been some studies coming up in even places like IMF where uh, the more uh, more income disparity you have, perhaps the less uh, growth you have. Uh, That's actually becoming a very controversial topic in uh, economic uh, growth. The Bank of Korea has projected it will take (laughs) 10 years or less to get to 40,000, but there are... There's a few tongues in cheek there because they're aware, I think, that uh, that's if things run smoothly. And we've already seen how things can get derailed somewhat. Uh, And and if exchange rates were unfavorable, we could quite easily dip below the 30,000 mark again pretty soon. Yeah, I think uh, we need to point out that a lot of this is just exchange rates. Uh, Korea, uh, the... uh National Statistics Office and Bank of Korea actually published per capita GNI in terms of dollar and in terms of won. And in terms of dollar, uh, from 2017 to 2019, per capita GNI went from $29,745 to $31,349, which is 5.4% growth. But if you take that number in Korean won, uh, it uh, rose from 33.6 million won to 34.5 million won, which is only 2.6%. So subtract 2.6 from 5.4, uh, 2.8% of the per capita GNI growth we saw was just from the exchange rates. Hmm. And uh, as to, uh, as to uh, go further on why people are not really feeling it in their pockets, well, the Korean per capita GNI rose by 2.6%, but this includes inflation. So once you remove the inflation, which was about 1.5% last year, your per capita income only went up by 1%, and even that was distributed unevenly, and only part of that was distributed to households. And I guess that's why then we hear this frequent complaint that we've been speaking about on the show, how at the lower end, wages haven't really improved dramatically. Income has not been felt particularly strongly. Yeah, one of the big problems we're going to have in the next 10 years is unskilled workers are not really going to earn very much. Mm. Uh, So even if Korean growth uh, continues, we're going to have to figure out what to do with these unskilled workers who really cannot get a lot of increases in wages. Professor Yang Jun-sok from the Department of Economics at Catholic University of Korea. Thank you very much. Thank you.
Of course, it would be nice to breathe clean air even if you're not bringing in the money that you're hoping for. What are you doing about worsening air pollution? We'll ask that question next. <laughs> 